Welcome to episode number 15 of the Laundry List Podcast. My name is Trisha Preby, and I'm here with Bethany Hager, and we're glad you're here today to be part of this conversation. As you know, this is the Laundry List Podcast, where we discuss everything from the important to the trivial and pretty much everything in between, and we do it by presenting you with a list. We're excited about the new list that we have for you today, so let's get started. I know that this is jumping right into the deep end of the pool today, mm-hmm. but I believe we need to start by discussing the elephant in the room and specifically discussing the chaotic scenes that we've seen in Washington yeah. as we've watched protesters force their way into the heart of the American democracy. Mm-hmm. Today, we're talking about parenting, which I am really excited about. It's where the rubber meets the road in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I'm wrestling as a parent with how to have these discussions with my kids, what to talk about, what not to talk about, how much to make a learning objective, how much to shield them from. Mm -hmm. So that is where I'm at today, and I'm feeling like we need to talk about it. Honestly, I don't even know what to ask. I want to ask you a question. I I, There are so many questions in my mind, but I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. I guess, are you talking about this with your kids? Are you not? If you are, what are you saying? What are your thoughts? I think you summed it up there when you said, I don't even know what question to ask. I feel like, so full disclosure to our listeners, Mm -hmm. we record this podcast a few days before it airs. So we're actually recording the day after the Senate and House of Representatives met to certify, go through the process of examining the electoral votes. Yes. The day after the attack on the Capitol building. Mm Mm-hmm by a group of people and and all of the dispute is still raging on social media and and even in the news of who exactly those people were who got into the capitol how did they get in how did this breach of security manage to happen how and why did it affect the senators and the representatives the way it seemed to i mean when they finally came back to session it seemed obviously i think people who were in the building would be rattled and and um, scared and anxious. Sure. Um, but they came back and, and a lot of them reversed position on what they believed was right about the electoral votes that they were considering that day. Um, a lot about it just seems very odd, very strange. And I do think it leaves us with the sentiment that Trisha summed up that you said of, I don't even know what question I want to ask. How do I even begin to frame this discussion for myself, let alone how I will talk to my kids about it. Yep. Um, Yep. So, yeah, I think we are still very much in the throes of dealing with that. But at the same time, um, I have some thoughts of how I will approach this as a parent. Okay. And some of my thoughts on that tie into part of what my um, bullet point items will be on my list later. Good. Um, So we'll circle. I think we'll end up circling back around to this. So off the top of my head, as I think about how I would frame the past 24 hours for myself and then begin to try to frame them and talk to my kids about them, Mm -hmm. what I have kept coming back to is first things first. Okay. So any major issue of the day that I'm going to think through or talk to my kids about, I try to frame it in terms of worldview and priorities. And we've said on the episodes before, mission, vision, values, and alignment on those things. And so for me, how does any of this fit into that big picture Mm -hmm. of 
that worldview that I would hold, I hope I would hold true to it, no matter what was happening in current events or in the news. You know, that's a really good point, Bethany. This entire discussion and really our national discussion highlights how important worldview is, how important it is for us to understand what our own worldview is. That is, what do we believe about each other? What do we believe about the world? What do we believe about God? Mm -hmm. This week, as I've been watching events unfold, and especially yesterday, as we saw the devastation in Washington, Mm -hmm. I kept thinking back to a fundamental truth that's written in our founding documents. That is that every single person, every single person Mm -hmm. has inherent dignity, worth, and rights simply for being human because they are human. Mm -hmm. And so that truth really leads me to ask questions of responsibility. What is my responsibility to my neighbor? Mm -hmm. What is my responsibility when I don't get my way? What is my responsibility to a person with whom I vehemently disagree? And I think our answers to those questions shape the way not only we live, not only the actions that we take, but the way we teach our kids. And our kids are watching and learning. Mm-hmm. You know, we we love to share things about not bullying, right? You go into a public school and you see beautiful writings on the wall about not bullying and loving each other and loving our neighbor and being kind and being accepting. And then those same kids really, when they turn on the news, they're in another sort of classroom when they're watching us behave, when they're watching us treat each other the way that we do. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is, it is so important. This is an issue of worldview. What do we believe? That belief will shape what we do and what we do will shape how we parent and ultimately will shape the kids that we raise. Right. So I agree with you. I think we need to get crystal clear on our worldview. I think we have to talk to our kids about integrity and it and integrity meaning behave the same way at school, at home, online, in your community involvement, in your protests and petitions, in your interactions in government. Behave the same way every place. Yep. The way that you would want to receive respect and honor. And Maybe that is a big takeaway from what we're seeing. Yes, I think you're right, Bethany. So much of what we're seeing, whether we're watching the events unfold at the Capitol, whether we're watching people lose their minds online, whether we're seeing relationships break down over political beliefs that that are opposed to each other, what we're seeing in our responses are issues of integrity or lack of integrity. Right. Integrity really underpins so much of our responses, doesn't it? I mm-hmm. think you're absolutely right that we need to have discussions of integrity with our kids. And I think that that is a great takeaway. Mm-hmm. And I think that with that in mind, we should just go ahead and jump into our list today. I know we could say much more, mm-hmm. but we do have a list that we're excited to share. Today, we're talking about five things that have surprised us about parenthood or parenting five things that we've been maybe shocked about as we've become parents. And so I think we should just jump into that list. And I'm excited to see what you have. So do you want to go ahead and share the first item on your list? All right. So the first thing I would have to say that surprised me about becoming a parent, which I'm now 14 years into this parenting thing. Mm -hmm. And there's probably some people listening who are laughing at me because I'm still a rookie. Okay, so 14 years in. 
But the first thing that surprised me about becoming a parent was how parenthood made me take better care of myself. Hmm. There were things I learned during pregnancy, during my first baby's first year of life, and I'm still learning and taking care of children. Mm -hmm. But there were things that really got emphasized to me about, you know, good nutrition during pregnancy, um, what to feed your baby, um, good ways, wholesome ways to take care of your body during pregnancy, your baby's body care when you're bringing home that newborn who's totally dependent on you and good health of that baby getting her, my first baby was a daughter, getting her off to a good start in life. Um, ways to entertain your child and yourself that were going to grow her young mind mm-hmm. and get her brain off to a good start. And then things about um, how much sleep the baby would need. And so how much sleep I would need during pregnancy and um, taking care of my baby. Absolutely. These were things that, to be honest, I mean, my mom talked to me about eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, get enough sleep. We we talked about all that stuff. And mom, I followed it scrupulously. I know she's listening from heaven. So of course, mom, I always did everything you said to do. Of course. But, you know, we fall into bad habits on our own. And it was learning to take care of that baby that brought it home to me. Yeah. What we put into our bodies matters. How we take care of our bodies matters. And I still kind of find it surprising that it was becoming a parent um, that taught me how to take care of myself better and keep myself healthy. That's a great first one to start with, Bethany. I'm not sure we ever really know what we need in life until we're meeting the needs of someone else. So I think you're absolutely right. In caring for a newborn, we figure out what it is we need to do to care for ourselves as well. That's great. That will go along, by the way, Mm -hmm. with another one on my list. So we will kind of circle back to that. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, the first item on my list is quite simply, I learned how little is actually in my control. By the way, my husband Luke and I have experienced most types of parenting. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I mean by that is we have had biological kids, we have adopted, and we have fostered. We have not raised stepkids, and I know that that probably brings unique challenges, so I don't want to say we've experienced all the, the types of parenting, but we have experienced several types of parenting, and I will say clearly that what I'm sharing today really applies across the board. This isn't unique to biological kids. This isn't unique to foster kids or kids who have been adopted or were adopted. This really applies to parenting in general. And I have learned very clearly that when it comes to parenting, I have even less control than I think I do. I don't like to think of myself as a control freak. Mm -hmm. I'm probably not organized enough to be a control freak, but... I do think that I have the idea or I fancy myself more in control of life than I actually am when it comes to parenting. Anytime that I need a reminder that I'm not really in control, all I need to do is put any food item on my toddler's plate that she does not want. And probably in about two seconds, 
I will be reminded that I am not in control. And actually, I have a pretty easygoing toddler, but all you need to do is put a lima bean on anybody's plate in the home. And very quickly, I realize maybe I'm really not the boss of the universe. Mm -hmm. I will say, and here's my expert advice for you today, probably the only expert advice I will give on today's episode. Mm -hmm. If you want to feel like you are in control, Go out and buy a really nice day planner and plan out every day meticulously. And that is the only thing you will have control over, not your actual day, but your day planner. (laughs) So that is my advice. It gives you a sense that you actually have everything together. And that is my number one. So what is the second item on your list that has surprised you about parenthood? Yeah, that's an amazing one. And I think this wasn't even on my list, but don't you look back in amazement at, at what battles you choose to let go and how we think that they were battles our parents decided to fight with us. But really, I'm I'm thinking my parents let some battles go too, and we just don't remember it. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. There's surely no way they fought every battle they could. And it just felt like from the kid's perspective that they always were. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I think probably if you looked, and I haven't even been a parent as long as you have been, Bethany. I know our kids are the same age, Mm -hmm. but my oldest joined the family at age four. So I'm a few years behind you. And I can already see that one of the greatest changes in my parenting style over time has been like you're saying, and I hate to use battle language, it sounds so harsh, but really you choose what battles to fight or what hills to die on. All of it is harsh language. I'm sorry for that. But that is probably the the biggest change is learning what you let go and when. And I'm often reminded that, you know, God doesn't come down on me with a hammer every time I make a mistake. Obviously, it is still wrong. It's still a mistake. He's not just in heaven being passive about my bad choices, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't either come down on them with a force that he could or even should. Technically, he gives grace. And I think as I become a more seasoned parent, Mm -hmm. my goal is to give grace. And and there's an art to that. There's definitely an art to understanding when and what to let go. And then also what to call out. We can't let everything go or we raise kids who storm the Capitol, right? Mm -hmm. But the point being, not every battle is, or maybe not even every decision needs to be a battle. Maybe that's the point. So yeah, that's a good point. My next two go together a little bit. And I don't know if I'm going to end up talking about them both at the same time, but I would categorize them in this way. I was surprised and I have been and I still am. Okay. I think we just need to say that right out. These surprises of parenting don't end. They continue. They're ongoing surprises. Great point. I have been surprised at the highs and lows of parenting Mm -hmm. um, and emotional highs and lows that it has introduced me to. So my second one was being surprised at how funny and how entertaining my kids would be in my life. Yeah. Um, What sources of joy they have been to me. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this one's not light at all. I really didn't start out intending to talk about it, but one of my children was my second child. My first son was just under a year old when my mom passed away. Mm -hmm. And so she only knew on this earth, two of my four children. Well, that son was sunshine. He would be happy-go-lucky, smiling, singing, 
full of music, full of joy for absolutely no reason. Okay. Like a kid needs a reason to be happy. Right. But I distinctly remember in that year after my mom passed away, days that were dark and heavy and sad. Yep. And then I would look at the face of that child and he would smile at me and he would be so happy. Mm hmm. And he brought that joy to my life. Okay, that's not even where I meant to go. Kids are funny, y'all. They are. They have made me laugh harder than anything. Okay, so one of the things that we laugh about our kids doing is they have made up words. Okay. And entirely not English, not any language words. And they haven't really meant to. They, I think in their minds, thought it was a, a real English word. Um, but those words that they have made up have become part of our family vocabulary. And so we, we look back and laugh at, at the words that our kids have made up and now we use it. And one that jumps out as being completely descriptive and very useful word that I've never seen in the dictionary anywhere. Mm -hmm. It is the word pointy. <laughs> Guys, she's laughing over here like Tim Hawkins just told a joke. <laughs> I mean, how can you define it? But it, in the context in which it was used, one of my children, when he was two, about two, was saying that something had scratched him, had poked him, had was making him uncomfortable in some way. Mm -hmm. He said, that thing, that is very pointy. So words like that they've come up with, and then they'll just do goofy things. That was surprising to me about being a parent, just how much joy and laughter and the highs that the highs can be of watching your kids. Okay, so I promise I'm not going to expound on every single thing that you say today. But I would say to our listener, if you are a parent, especially a parent of young kids, and you want to kind of keep track of these funny things your kids say and do, because they will say and do them, I would just encourage you to go set up an email address for your kids. Go to Gmail, get a free email account for your child. And when you write out the funny things that your kid says and does, email that to your kid. It's easier than writing it in a journal and then keeping that journal for the next 18 years or whatever it turns out to be. It's easier to just send the kid an email, then you have a copy of it too for your own memory. And then you have this collection growing in an email account for your child. And then someday when you give your child the credentials to that email address, your child has all of these fun stories and fun memories of growing up. Love it. That is a great idea. Also, it means that your child will have a perfectly acceptable email address <laughs> that will go at the top of his or her resume someday because you picked the email address for them. But that is probably going back to my first point about being in control. Mm -hmm. So moving on to the second item on my list. Okay, so you were talking briefly about the emotions and the emotional aspect of being a parent and how parenting really brings out the highs and the lows of our emotions. Mm -hmm. And I would add to that, my second item on my list, I have been surprised by how much hurting for my kids or even loving my kids actually feels like physical pain okay. for myself, not for them. I hope I don't make them feel any physical pain ever. But I know you and I love talking about the brain and how the brain works and neuroscience. I know neither of us are scientists, but we love studying it. Yeah. And I have read many reports 
that talk about how these neuroimaging studies show how the brain regions involved in processing our physical pain mm-hmm. overlap considerably with the same regions tied to feeling and processing emotional pain. So emotional pain, and I think even strong emotions in general, feel like physical pain sometimes, Mm -hmm. which I know probably isn't going to help any of you become parents. (laughs) It probably doesn't make you want to become parents, but it is absolutely worth it. Mm -hmm. I would say the connection, I've read about this, this is so mind boggling to me, but the connection is so strong between our emotional pain and our physical pain that sometimes doctors use traditional painkillers to help somebody who is in severe emotional anguish. That is so crazy. Mm -hmm. Love and hurting for our kids can actually hurt, like truly hurt, hurt, hurt after all. And that has been a surprise to me. There are times my emotion on behalf of my kids, whatever my kids are going through at the time, um, it sometimes it hurts me that they are hurting. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thankful to have the studies to back it up that I am not crazy. This is truly a physical thing as well as an emotional thing. Yes. And that goes to the flip of my highs and lows one, which ended up being the third one on my list. I've been surprised not only at the heights of joy that I can experience as a parent, yes, but at the lows of pain and suffering that parenting has brought me to. Um, and some of it is, I mean, obvious, I think the first obvious one is the pain of childbirth is without a doubt, the most intense, awful pain that you can go through. And at the same time, I heard somebody say this recently too, women go through this pain repeatedly. Yes, we do. For the joy of bringing new life into the world. And you know what? Honestly, if I didn't have to be pregnant again and go through the the changes that my body does not respond well to pregnancy. I know yours is 10 times worse. Mm. Um, if I didn't have to be pregnant again, but I would still need to go through labor to have a child, I would do it. Sure. Um, labor can be awful. It is it is intense suffering and pain. Sorry to burst anybody's bubble out there that has not birthed a child. And don't be scared of it. It's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, your body is made to do that. It's the most intense physical pain you can go through, and yet it is it is entirely worth it for that finding out what your body can can do, can endure, and you produce this baby, and you hear that baby's cry for the first time in the room, and it is totally it is totally worth it. And so, the lows of suffering that parenting can bring me to, mm-hmm. but it's also meant that. Um, I can endure pain I didn't think I could endure. And so the lows of the, the pain that you can endure and then the, the way you do feel suffering more deeply. Mm-hmm. I don't feel it for myself so much, but I feel it for my kids. I feel um, the effect even of my own actions on them. Sure. Um, when I think of what they would have to go through, it causes suffering to me. And that has been surprising to me. Um, When I have found injustice in the world, I feel it more deeply because of them than even for myself. Yeah, I definitely agree. It reminds me, I know we've probably all either said or heard somebody say, I would rather go through this than watch my kids go through it. And Mm -hmm. that is definitely true. 
I would add, and I know nobody in our audience feels competitive in this way, so that's not where I'm coming from when I say this, Mm -hmm. but I would add that having gone through both physical labor and the labor of waiting to bring a child into my home via adoption, that actually the pain of waiting for a child via adoption can be just as painful, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. as I believe the physically painful process of going into labor and delivering a child. I truly believe no matter how you bring a child into your family, whether it is physical labor or emotional labor or spiritual labor, all of the above, Mm -hmm. I believe it can be a painful process. And I also think that the way that we love these kids and just the fact that they work their way into our hearts is the same feelings and emotions no matter how that child came into our lives. And I just want to make that point really clear. You know, from time to time, people will hear that we adopted a child or they'll meet our son and they'll say, oh, you got him the easy way. And I know what they're implying because I've been I've been in labor, so I do know what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. But the truth is for you adopting mamas out there or foster mamas or whatever role of motherhood God has called you to, you know that there is no such thing as an easy way to bring a child into your family. Mm-hmm. And it is all worth it, but it is all challenging. I would even go so far as to say equally challenging. Amen. And to those who, and, and it's January, it's Sanctity of Human Life Month. We're going to be touching on these topics in the next couple of weeks again. But to people who you're waiting to parent because of maybe infertility or miscarriages, mm-hmm. or maybe you are the parent of a child or a baby um, who has gone ahead of you into eternity, the pain there, the suffering of that is valid. It is. Uh, it needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be honored. Yes. And you are no less a parent if your child has preceded you to heaven than if your child is in the home with you right now, or you're waiting to bring them home. Absolutely, Bethany, you're absolutely correct. And I appreciate you making that point very clear. Mm-hmm. Every child has value and is valued. And no matter how that child is brought into your life or into your family, that child is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Bethany, I feel like we could park right here for the rest of the episode. I know that the topic we're discussing right now mm-hmm. is one that we are both very passionate about. And we are, just like you said, we're going to circle back to it this month. Mm-hmm. But I am going to keep going or else we will be here for the next hour easily. So I'm going to go ahead and share the third thing on my list that has surprised me about parenting or parenthood, and that is how many scenarios I can imagine at any given time for any given situation. Okay, I'm a writer. I make no secret of that. I'm currently writing my ninth book. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably not any big deal or big surprise that I can imagine scenarios that comes with the territory. But something about being a parent has heightened that even beyond what it takes to be a writer. I can seriously consider any scenario, any outcome for any event 
that we are experiencing as a family, anything my kids want to do, my mind always runs ahead of me about all of the possibilities. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's healthy. Sometimes that's not so healthy. But I've just been surprised at how I really don't take a whole lot by face value or at face value anymore. Everything is kind of filtered through this mom grid of all of the potential outcomes, risks versus rewards. And I can never really shut that off. And I I just, I attribute it to motherhood. You can all write and tell me if it has nothing to do with motherhood and maybe it's just mental health. Mm -hmm. But I really do think it has to do with becoming a parent Mm -hmm. that nothing is as simple as it seems. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so fourth on my list of things that have surprised me is about being a parent, how much it revealed my own immaturities and character gaps and flaws. Hmm. Um, I have a friend who routinely says, okay, I'm not going to get it right because I should have written it down instead of trying to remember her quote. She says, parenting is the best classroom. Yes. And then she'll say, I'm learning as much from my kids as anything they're learning from me. Mm -hmm. And that really is the truth. And I am surprised, have been surprised by that. What it's revealed about myself. So, and I think with each child of mine, a new facet of learning and and opportunity for growth. Let's call it that in a hopeful term. What opportunities of growth each of my children has given me. I think with my first baby, I mean, there's so much to learn on your first baby. I apologize, my Chloe girl, for all the learning of parenting that I've had to do with you um, and that you've had to bear the brunt of. But she came along and, and I think one surprising thing you said, Trisha, is how little was in my control. I couldn't control this little baby's needs or her schedule or, um, you know, how much she was going to need at any given time. Sure. I needed to follow her cues. And it, it highlighted to me not just my wanting to control things and being frustrated by that, but my impatience. With her, I learned how impatient I could be and needed to curb that and just be patient with the, that baby who... My mom used to say, they don't know. They don't know that they're demanding a lot of you. All they know is that they need you. And all they know is how to ask that they need. And, hmm. and so it's up to us, the adult, the, the mature one in the process of maturing to to grow into that. Yeah. But just the level, the level of things that my kids have revealed to me about myself, the character traits they have taught me to grow in, you would think you're becoming a parent. And so you're going to raise up this child and train them in the way they should go. And surprise, surprise, they're going to train you. And it's a good thing that they do along the way. So be open, welcome, welcome that surprise. It's been an amazing thing. Bethany, I love that one. And I love how absolutely we are in sync with our number fours, because the fourth item on my list that surprised me or is surprising me about parenting Mm -hmm. is I am surprised by how much parenting has shown me where I need to grow. That is exactly what I have written here on my list, which is almost verbatim what you just said. Mm -hmm. I love the quote you shared from your friend, and I was prepared to share a quote here as well. I don't know who said it. So if you know who said it, listener, please let me know. But I have said it often to myself and to others, and that is the quote, 
that God gives us children, not primarily so that we can teach them, but so that he can teach us. Mm -hmm. And I have been amazed, just like you're saying, I won't rehash everything you just said, but how often I'll be in a conversation with one of my kids and I'll say something to that child such as, you know, you don't need to understand the why, you just need to trust me that I have your best in mind. And as I'm saying these words, you know, and feeling really good about my parenting in that moment, Mm -hmm. I feel, not tangibly feel, but almost tangibly feel a tapping on my shoulder by the Holy Spirit, because these are some of the same things that God has tried to teach me over my lifetime. And very, very often something will come out of my mouth and I'll have this moment of, oh, that's my relationship with my heavenly father. And then I have this moment of, we, we aren't talking about me right now. We're, we're talking about my child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the truth still exists that, that parenting has largely been used. Maybe even more, I'd have to think this through carefully, but if not the most, it's in the top two or three things in my life that God has used to teach and to parent me. And so I am very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the things you just shared. And yes, that is my number four as well. Parenting has taught me how much I need to grow. All right, Bethany, what is the last item on your list for today? The fifth thing that surprised me about becoming a parent was how it would connect me to other people. Hmm. And I think of this in multiple layers. So it connected me to generations ahead of me and then now um, that will come behind me in my family, in my community. Um, And it connected me to a larger community. Of course, moms who were having babies at the same time that I did, you know, we suddenly had this thing in common. Sure. A community of being young mothers. It connected me to mothers of different ages. So in our church, um, just the way it worked out, I needed um, those mothers around me to help ease into becoming a parent. And so uh, my kids have plenty of fake grandmas in their lives because um, mothers in our church families have come alongside me and allowed themselves to be connected to our family in that way. And so I was, I did not know the first thing about expecting all those connections to be made. But really, as I have learned later on, it's Titus 2 in action. Mm-hmm. Spiritual mothering. There's a great book on that topic, by the way. Um, when women in the church do what women in the church are supposed to do, then we do connect with each other in this way of making each other stronger across the generations and helping each other take care of the generations. So I was surprised by that connection. I shouldn't have been, but um, but God allows us to experience it to be surprised. But you know what else? It's connected me to community in a deeper hmm. way. Well, now I watch what goes on in my church. I watch what goes on in the church at large. I watch what goes on in my community. I watch what goes on the national level of my country, and I am connected to those things in a deeper, more profound way because of how my kids will experience those things as they grow up. Suddenly, it's not just me who needs to navigate the way church operates and and are we doing this correctly in the church and is our church family healthy. It's not just for me. Mm -hmm. It's for my kids now that we need to make sure that church is healthy. Um, When I look around at the community, how we handle school needs and 
discourse at city hall meetings and the way local businesses are supported. It's not just me anymore that it affects. Right. It's my kids that are going to grow up in this community and I'm connected to the community so that my kids and their kids can have a better future. Bethany, of course, you are absolutely right, as always. And I appreciate the fifth item you just shared. I'm also feeling a little bit like we're about to set the record clear and straight in a very real way. I will tell you, once in a while, somebody writes in or comments to me in person or sends me a message that says that obviously... I am the very serious personality on this podcast, and you are the funny, laid-back personality. (laughs) And we are about to set the – by the way, I think that happens because – I can get a little nervous. We're just starting this podcast. We're only 15 episodes in. Mm -hmm. Probably over time, we are going to prove to people that that is actually the other way around. And I'm going to do that right here with my number five because it is a little inappropriate right after the really great number five that you just shared. So I am so sorry in advance. I think we need to lighten it up. In my defense, this was not the initial order I had these in. I got excited and went out of order and I should have stayed in order. And if ever, ever you listener needed proof that this is not scripted, here it is. Because my dear friend Bethany just shared her heart, talked about something really important like being a parent in community. And I am now going to follow that up with number five, one thing that has been so surprising and more than that, so shocking Mm -hmm. in parenthood and in motherhood is how normal it would become to discuss bodily fluids. There I said it. I knew you were going to go there. I knew that was coming. All right. Here's the reality. Something happens. Something magical happens when you become a parent. If you happen to give birth, I'm convinced there's something they put in the epidural that takes the filter off of your brain and off of your mouth When it comes to discussing bodily fluids, you may, like me, have been somewhat prudish when it came to discussing things from the bathroom, let's just say. And all of a sudden, something changes in your actual DNA that all of a sudden you're celebrating your child's bowel movements and you are high-fiving with your spouse over diapers and catching vomit in your hand. And I am so sorry if you are in a place where you should not be hearing that term, but I am just putting it out there that something happens in your brain, chemically, physically, that now suddenly conversations you would never have had as a normal pre-parent are perfectly acceptable once you welcome a child home. I love it. And it is almost instantaneous. And I blame it on this little worksheet they give you. If you bring an infant home, either through adoption or you bring an infant home because you gave birth, where you have to fill out this sheet that talks about how many times a day your child has a certain type of diaper and what the contents were. And that sets you on a path. It's like a slippery slope. All of a sudden, you're on a path where for the next 18 years, it is perfectly acceptable to talk about those things to your children and to your family. And pretty soon, your children are rolling their eyes at you and who 
who have you become? You hardly recognize yourself. This is what happens. You become a parent and suddenly it is perfectly acceptable to celebrate bodily fluids. You have been warned. So just get used to it. Parenting equals talking about bodily fluids on a regular basis as if it is nothing. Nothing. Okay, that's the way it is. Yep, it's the way it is. Bethany, this has been a great conversation. I can actually think of about five inappropriate ways I could link this particular part of the conversation about poop back to the conversation we started with regarding the behavior at the Capitol. I love it. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to ask you, If you have any task that you'd like to send us out with today as we wrap this episode up. This is your reminder that if you do have kids in your house and your house is quiet right now, you better go check on them. It's always the quiet ones you need to watch for. And on that note, we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.